0: Because by the way, doing what you love doesn't mean you always love what you're doing. If you do what you love, that means it's worthwhile enough you love it. It's worthwhile enough that there's gonna be pain involved. Look at every athlete on the planet. They don't love playing basketball, let's say every single second. They hate when they lose. They hate when they miss a shot, but that kind of compels them to be better.
1: Hi, I'm Nick Ninton and welcome to Now to Next, the podcast where I interview some of the top experts and professionals all across the globe to talk about what's happening now and what you can expect next. Thanks for tuning in to Now to Next. Make sure you like and subscribe and check out the next episode. Hey everybody, Nick Nanton here, and uh, I have uh, a good friend and guest here with me today, uh, and we are here live uh, at the moment on Facebook. It is actually election day. If you're hearing this, uh, well, hopefully we all make it through this, and this isn't some archive you find underneath uh, a bunker or something. Uh, but James Altucher, welcome to the show. I, I want to talk about your new uh, your new audiobook. I want to talk about your your the new book coming out. You know, uh, was how to skip the line, which we'll yeah. we'll talk about that. But before that, um, you talk about your own health. And I obviously one thing that I think people should know they should watch. It took me over a year to make it with you. Uh, your documentary series uh, it's all on Amazon called "Choose Yourself: The James Altucher Story." It's based on your work of your first uh, of well of your biggest book I think uh, "Choose Yourself," which really yeah. goes through your ups and downs in life and amazing success, amazing failure, and your journey to what made you, what were you doing differently on the way up than you are doing on the way down? You started to mention sort of the the four bodies, if you will, from that book. Um, I would love uh, for you to share a little bit of the choose yourself mentality, and I think one of the things we all need to be doing right now, I mean, there's just, there is a pandemic all the time in our culture of waiting for someone to tell you you're good enough. Now is the time. Yeah. I've been working with musicians musicians. musicians and bands and writers for years who just waiting for that one person to validate them so they can get started. I know your message to them is way different than that. Give us a little bit of the choose yourself mentality and the choose yourself message.
0: I mean, that's a great way to put it that we have a pandemic of, of wanting other people to give us permission because you, you hear it from your friends, like when you're growing up, oh, you can't, you can't be an entrepreneur. You can't get that great job. You can't have a lot of money unless you go to college. Or you can't just be the CEO of a company. You got to start off as the assistant to the assistant to the marketing manager for Crest toothpaste or whatever. Or you you know, you you just can't start a new career at the age of 35. You got to it'll take you too long to catch up to everyone else. And so we get we get put into a box. That everyone else puts us into, but we let them create the walls of the box. You can't, no one's going to put you in a box if you don't let them do it. it. But it's really hard. I don't blame anyone for, for letting others choose their life. No, everybody wants you to stay in your place. Everybody likes you just the way you are. They don't want you to suddenly say, Hey, I'm going to go off and try to achieve something big. They're going to say, you can't, you can't do that. I'm not, you can't leave me behind. That's what they're really saying. You can't, you can't leave me behind you can't make it so that you're going to succeed but maybe I won't don't do that so so it's very important that at every step of the way you're doing what you can to to find your success find out what your passions are find out what what you're willing to be persistent with because by the way doing what you love doesn't mean you always love what you're doing if you do what you love that means it's worthwhile enough. You love it. It's worthwhile enough that there's going to be pain involved. Look at every athlete on the planet. They don't love playing basketball, let's say, every single second. They hate when they lose, they hate when they miss a shot, but that kind of compels them to be better. And, you know, same thing with a writer. You write, you could spend years writing a book, you put the book out, and then no one reads it. Hopefully, you love writing because you're going to be miserable in that one point or being an entrepreneur. Some businesses work, some don't. So you have to give yourself permission to do the things that everybody else says you can't do. And you have to be willing to ride a different type of psychological uh, uh, ups, roller coaster because there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows. I mean, you've seen me through those even during the course of shooting the your your excellent Choose Yourself series. And so the Choose Yourself mentality is that on several levels. One is I can choose what I'm interested in. I don't have to listen to my parents about it. I don't have to listen to my teachers. I don't have to listen to my friends or my colleagues. I can choose what I love. And you know what? I can switch or give up or move on whenever I want to something new. And I'm always going to have the opportunity to get good at it or to do something unique or to find my voice. If I love doing this and it's worth doing, and if I'm going to be persistent with it for at least a while, I'm going to get good. I'm going to choose myself. But at a deeper level, you can't choose yourself unless you take a step back and do four things. I call this the daily practice because when I, whenever I stopped doing this, I would go broke. And I would go so broke, I would be suicidal because how am I going to, and you've met my kids, like how, would, how am I going to raise my children? How am I going to feed my family? How am I going to afford this home? And sometimes I couldn't. I've lost homes. I couldn't afford anything. And I would get scared. And then finally, I was like the third or fourth time this happened. I was like, what am I doing wrong? I think... I'm somewhat smart. I shouldn't be failing all the time. Success, failure, success, failure. And I realize the important things is no matter what, be physically healthy. You can't have great ideas and execute on them if you're sick. So eat, move, sleep well. Emotionally healthy. You can't have good ideas if you're arguing with your spouse all day or arguing with your friends all day or arguing with your kids all day. Every day, do something to move the needle on emotional health. Creativity. Every single day, I write down 10 ideas a day. I write, you know, they can be business ideas, book ideas, article ideas, ideas for Nick, ideas for Google, ideas for LinkedIn, ideas for someone else that I think of, or just what I learned from X, what I learned from Y. Anything I can do to exercise the creativity muscle because it is a muscle. And if you don't exercise it, it'll atrophy in a few weeks. If you exercise it every day, you'll see within three or four months, it'll be like a super idea machine. You will, it's, it's once I, I started doing this in 2002 and I was so depressed. I was losing my home. I had lost everything. I had been depressed for like a year. Medication wasn't helping. I started doing these 10 ideas a day. And within just a few weeks, I was, I was like, Oh, this is an unusual feeling. I was feeling excited again. And I had ideas, and yeah, they were bad ideas, but still, like, my mind was going. I was thinking during the day about the ideas I had written down, and it was exciting to me. So that's really the foundation. When you build that foundation, now I can have ideas for a book. Now I can have ideas for a new business idea. Oh, I like I like this one song. What if I put a hip-hop beat to it, and now I've got a new song because I combine two things. Or what if I, um, you know, took my interest in – uh, you know, poker and applied it to learn lessons in persuasion and wrote an article about that and or made a book out of it or made a chapter in a book about it. So there's all sorts of things that could start happening where you combine ideas. Um, so I'll, can I give you this one example of this project that came out of nothing? Uh, a friend of mine is uh, Charlemagne the God who's the host of the uh, radio show The Breakfast Club. Remember he had that uh, interview with Joe Biden where he says, we have questions. And Joe Biden says, listen, if you don't know who you're going to vote for by now, then you ain't black. And so I, I, so that part aside, I wrote to Charlemagne and I said, I love the phrase, we have questions because I don't know lots of things. I don't know what your questions are. I don't know what the answers are. And I'd want to know, like, this is like a rallying cry. We have questions. And so we went back and forth. There's a lot more to the story, but I kind of my 10 ideas for that day was, here's some questions I have that I don't know. And I'd like to know, even if they're like provocative or weird or whatever. And he's like, hey, let's work on this together. So we spoke to Amazon and they're their Audible's producing this. Charlemagne is technically the, is the author with me. And um, uh, I he gathered together 13 prominent African-American leaders. I interviewed them kind of almost podcast style, but I got to ask all the questions I had written them, and and then some, and now this is going to be so just me sharing my idea list with somebody. Uh, suddenly, now this is this audiobook that Audible's produced. It's they're going to release in a, in a big campaign, and um, it's exciting. And we have got you know more or less most of it was finished in just a few weeks worth of work. And uh, Charlemagne and I both put a lot of time and energy into it. But that's a consequence of sharing, having exercising this idea muscle, and then sharing ideas. A lot of times. People have a scarcity mindset. Like, I can't share my idea. What if, what if he steals the idea? Let them steal the idea. Like, what if What if somebody had taken my ideas and did it all on their own? That's fine. I'm happy when that happens because I know I'm abundant with ideas. I know every day I'm coming up with ideas. I can't possibly do all of them. What if you share a business idea and they steal it? Good for them. If they can do a business better than I can, better for the world. So, Or they can't do it. And somehow it's the one business in 15 years I do, and then I do it. So most business ideas I come up with, I never do. I just write down my idea list for the heck of it. And so, uh, and again, I don't keep track of the ideas. I just do it to exercise. So in terms of what I learned, I learned more than ever that, you know, we, we've we all been through an emotionally rocky time, the the fear of the pandemic, the fear of the lockdowns, and then the friends and family and and. Um, colleagues we saw who were having financial difficulties and whatever financial difficulties, you know, we all had along the way, you know, and then the protests and trying to understand those. And then the election, there's so much hate and fear going around in the election. It's kind of clear being on social media for most purposes is a bad thing because everyone was just, all these trolls were just yelling at you. you no matter what you believed on social media, like no matter what I said on social media, I was always called a, uh, a, uh, a republican fascist and a democrat libertard no matter what i said people thought people thought the same thing about every comment i made and so and then i realized all these smart intelligent people that i always looked up to they were acting like complete idiots on social media and i realized oh ev- you know everybody's having problems N- you know people have to continually you know self correct or else they kind of fall into this this either idiocy or a funk or whatever. And again, with this "with this New York City is dead forever article, my intent was to hel- help New York City. I love New York City. I live in New York City. It's, it's my city since birth. And And then I saw the reaction people had, even people who were family or friends or people I've known for 30 or 40 years were writing articles trashing me. Uh, particularly when they felt it was safe to do so. Oh, everybody else is trashing him. I'll pile on also. That, that probably ultimately got to me. The other million people who trashed me, I didn't care as much. But then when I realized how the message was being manipulated and people I had known for 30 years, were, were it was starting to get to me. So I had to make sure I was following my own daily practice.
1: Uh, That's great. A couple different things there. Um, Do you feel like the, was there a net positive or net negative from that article
0: overall? Well, two, two things. One is net positive in the sense that I do think it created awareness in New York City. I mean, look, it's two and a half months since I wrote that article, more than two and a half months since I wrote that article. And still every day, people are writing about it, usually negatively, but people are writing about it and people are finally starting to notice the issues and connect all the dots. I mean, look, even de Blasio and Cuomo, who hate each other, came together in their hate for me. And so that encouraged me that maybe solutions would happen. And I've been working on solutions. So this article gave me kind of a, 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 an open door to call people, whether it's mayoral candidates or congressmen or Federal Reserve officials or even Trump administration officials. I talked to all those categories and and I presented solutions or I presented the problems and I, you know, brainstormed solutions with people. So it gave me a lot more knowledge about how a city is run and what possible solutions there could be. In terms of me personally, like, uh, let's say, you know, on social media and stuff, I think people, my name recognition might've gone up, but I don't know if people gain followers in the same way anymore. Like I didn't really get a huge number of new followers, but I, I would say that people def people who... Like the article, definitely saw the work I put into it and how I did care, in fact, about the city. And it was kind of exciting to have so many people like everybody from Joe Rogan to Glenn Beck to Rush Limbaugh to MSNBC, CNN, you know, all these different places had my article or read it word for word on their shows and, and or mentioned it. And that, that was exciting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, think my, my publisher, publisher got me. nervous. You started a discussion, which is, I think, interesting. I mean, I would say that if there was like a board game that was James Altucher, it would be a conversation starter. It would be like throwing a bomb in the middle of the table and let's see what happens. Like to me, that's like as I've watched you work, um, a, bun- a lot of the way you approach things to me, um remind me a lot of my brother sort of, he can out debate me on either side of any issue. And I, ne- I never, I'm sure that I really know where he stands, first of all. But like you, you seem to like, seems to me like you like the social experiment of some of these ideas more than you're tied to the idea
0: that could be true like first off one person did accuse me of writing just for the sake of being controversial which i think is the worst kind of writing possible like i would never do that i live in new york city i saw the problems that are now pretty clear like 8,000 restaurants or so are out of business now in New York City. When I wrote the article, it was probably around 3,000 restaurants. I, mean, I can go on and on. The data has, has gotten significantly worse. So I did my research. I didn't write about L- London is dead forever. I didn't write about LA is dead forever. I wrote about my city that I love. If you just write to be controversial, you're going to run out of material pretty quickly, and no one's going to trust your opinion. So uh, there's no purpose of writing just just to get likes or a dopamine hit or whatever. You have to write about things you care about. That said, you have to write about things you care about and you have to say something new and unique. You have to trigger, Trigger. in order 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 for people people to to read your article, article, you have to trigger cognitive dissonance. So if I say nobody should ever buy a home forever, uh, or, or sorry, no one should ever buy a home, that triggers huge cognitive dissonance because buying a home is usually the largest financial decision one might make in their lives, at least up until the moment they buy a home or don't go to college. That also triggers huge cognitive dissonance because we spend many of us, including me have spent four years and hundreds of thousands of dollars getting an education. And if someone just says, Hey, you, you shouldn't, that was dumb. You shouldn't have done that. That's going to trigger cognitive dissonance. So the first reaction is to be defensive and to argue and maybe to be angry Like, uh, is this person questioning my life choices? I can't be wrong. And so you have to be able to say something new about a topic that is important, big enough to trigger cognitive dissonance. That's why it's important to be able to write about it. Why do you have to say something new? If I write what everybody else writes, what was the point of me writing? Like, there has to be a reason why I'm writing. Even in my New York City is Dead article, I brought up points that nobody else had ever brought up, which is why part of the reason it went viral because I had something new in it it triggered a lot of cognitive dissonance. Also very important, I told a story. I didn't just say here's some facts about New York City. I t- interwove my my love affair with New York in the article which makes it emotionally intense and relatable. So that's the third component of a of a viral article. And you know, those are the important ones, but uh, again, you have to you have to be able to also address all the objections. So I can't write about New York City is dead without addressing The 1970s without addressing 2001, without addressing 2008, because these are all times that people thought New York City was dead. And I had to be able to prove with facts that this time things are different. And, uh, you know, and I had to have those facts. So not only did I have to have facts, but I had to be able to answer all the objections. I had to steel man my argument, which means I had to argue the opposite side even better than I was arguing my own side in order order to to write write that article.
1: I love that, and I actually was going to ask you a question, but I think I have a better question. I was going to ask you: Do you think if your article had a positive title, if it would have gotten as many views and shares? But actually, I think you pointed out something that's way more important in the psychology of of a headline and getting something to read is is just finding some cognitive distance. So I might write a positive article that uh, here's why drugs are great, and it would be it's not a negative headline, but it's a cognitive distance that makes me go that this is there's something not right about that. I need to read this. Would would you agree with that point?
0: Yeah, I mean, you can't, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people wrote articles like this election is a great example. A lot of people write articles saying, well, Trump might win if he gets these states, but then Biden might win if he gets these states. Everybody hedges. You know, nobody says, nobody says something concrete. People say, well, Right. Raising taxes might be good if these things happen, but also lowering taxes might be good if these things happen. It's like it's like the news at the end of the day, you know, stocks went up because of oil fears, but tomorrow they might go down because of blah, blah, blah. Nobody really knows. But they and they try to hedge their reasoning as much as possible because they don't know the people who stand out are the ones who say, no, this is going to happen. We should be worried about this or we should be hopeful about this because of X, Y, and Z. and this is a, So for instance, March, the pandemic started. Uh, uh, there was all these articles coming out that were negative. That The New York Times, I think it was, had an article, 140 million people worldwide might die from coronavirus. And the, the amazing math that they had was, well, there's 7 billion people on the planet and it's a 2% fatality rate. Do the math, it's 140 million. That's the worst math I've ever seen for anything. Because it because it can't mathematically be modeled like that, and so for me, what I did was I read all the research. There was research at Imperial College that with all these outrageous predictions, and that's where Fauci first got his ideas. Then the University of Washington had uh, some research that also was missing some basic math. Finally, I saw some good research coming out of uh, University of Southern California which helped me to understand what was going on better. And then I talked to epidemiologists, I talked to vi- virologists, I talked to economists, and then I explained the good news of what was happening. So then I was able to put something in a positive light, but it also was a popular article because people were being misinformed and they didn't know and they were scared and they didn't want to be scared. And so I was trying to interpret almost like a translator what was happening in the headlines and 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 bring it and explain to the average person who wasn't absorbed in this, where the headlines were wrong, where they were right, why it wasn't as bad as people thought. The headlines get paid to to scare you. That's how they make money. More the more fear, the more money they make. So you have to you have to find other sources where either so a source, someone in the middle who's gonna explain correctly, or you go directly to the data, which is what I was doing. And then I, I started doing podcasts every single day instead of twice a week because. There was so much misinformation I wanted to explain to people. So that's an example where I was positive, not negative. I didn't say, oh, the world's going to die because of coronavirus. But I did say, I said it in late March, I said, okay, there's these lockdowns. If they continue past April, pandemic aside, maybe they need to continue, but the economy is not going to be able to come back in the same way. We're not going to have a new normal. We're going to have a tilt, uh, something new, something different—not a new normal, a new abnormal, almost—and that's what happened after April. You know, c- the economy fractured in ways that are are hard to fix, which led to the New York City story, which also, by the way, led to a lot of these protests, led to the, a lot of the anger and the frustration that led leads to a George Floyd and leads to more public acknowledgement that these George Floyd situations are happening all the time, and so. Voices needed to be heard. We've Everybody had been locked in place for six months. Protests started happening. So everything started to fracture. And, you know, so then there's new things to explain. Well, what's happening with the economy? Is it going to get better? What's actually happening with these protests? Why is there rioting? Why is there looting? Is that what MLK really intended when he said, you know, rioting is the voices of the unheard? You know, what what's really going on here that everyone's quoting and misquoting and misinforming and so on? So, uh, you know, and again, I think, uh, uh, you know, I'm just looking through my notes on, on my viral article, it was a, a 10 ideas list, but, you know, so I mentioned story, cognitive dissonance, facts, answer all the objections, and then finally, you have to mention something new. So for instance, with the pandemic, the new things that I mentioned were, I explained the math in a very simple way, I would explain the math equations around modeling a pandemic. And I think that was very useful for people. I got rid of the complicated myth, but I also got rid of the hysteria and was able to explain people with something huge with something new plus with my story.
1: But James, the, you know, there's there's a ton of lessons in there. Um, one of the things that you seem to like to talk about an awful lot are ideas that you, uh, it seems to me that you like to help people see that they've been maybe misinformed on a subject. I mean, you write a lot about education and how the sort of college system is broken and other things like that. I mean, do you, what makes you, it, are these just truths you discover and you think that people haven't, they've been misled? Do you think there are truths that other people just haven't dug in so hard to figure out? Or what, what what makes you uh, so interested in sharing you know these these opinions that uh, when I read them they seem like common sense yet not always common knowledge, obviously in some of your belief systems I, I feel like I think most of us reading it who sort of believe let's say down the middle would feel like you push the envelope on both sides, which is what 's interesting about it, but what makes you what makes you want to share um, these ideas that aren't always uh, that seem like they're hidden beneath the surface, but they seem pretty logical when you explain them.
0: Well, two reasons. One is people, people, you know, there's trillions of dollars every year spent on, or let's say hundreds of billions spent on advertising. So when you think about an election and I'm saying that because it's election day when we're talking and it's obviously in everyone's mind, why was it the case that $10 billion was spent on this election, mostly with advertising. And it's because either people don't know the messages of the candidates, or the candidates want to manipulate their message so that you believe what they want you to believe so that you vote for them. And I'm not accusing them of this. This happens in banking. This hap- you know, this happens in, you know, hey, a diamond is a girl's best friend. It's just an advertising slogan. I don't know any woman. Who, where they say, "Oh, my best friend is a diamond. <laughs> like it's just a marketing slogan. And you know, the, the the diamond industry, of course is manipulated by you know, one or two companies in an oligopoly. And so it's their incentive to spend a lot of the extra money they make keeping that marketing machine going. Same thing with the housing industry. Oh, owning a home is the American dream. Not really. You can not own a home and still live a great life in in the u s. maybe even a better life because you're not as stressed about maintenance and property taxes and pay you know paying back this huge debt and and on and on and on, or you're not you don't get as worried in a financial crisis or a pandemic or whatever. So it's good to know what is the truth versus what's the signal versus the noise. and i like I feel like I have a skill at doing that, built up over twenty years of doing this style of writing. And I love writing. Like if I write, oh, here's the time I went broke and here's how I bounced back. Well, nobody was writing that in 2010. Everybody was saying, oh, I know, I'm so smart. I know that Apple's stock is gonna go up. I'm so smart, I'm gonna tell you that there's gonna be a crash next year. Well, here's someone who has had highs and lows. I've been a hedge fund manager. I've been an entrepreneur. I've been a financial pundit on CNBC but also I've gone broke several times and it was, it's really depressing and it's okay to admit it and it's okay to try to bounce back. And here's, here's how you bounce back. Oh, sorry.
1: Here's, here's, how, how, you, here's how
0: you make something of yourself so that, 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 you know, maybe you can protect yourself a little bit against failing again, or maybe you could switch careers and every, And again, like I said earlier, and this is related to my book, skip the line coming out. Oh, you're you're 40 years old, you're 45, you're 55, you're 60. You can't switch careers. What do you think you're doing? No, I can do whatever I want. And here's some techniques this guy wrote so that I could literally skip the line and end up in the top 1% of my field and start monetizing the things that I love. Better late than never. You only get, I always think like I have about 30 Thanksgivings left on this planet, just 30. And what else am I going to do for those? 30 Thanksgivings. Am I going to talk about doing things and jobs that I don't like? Or am I going to say, hey, I finally got a chance to write that novel, to do stand-up comedy, to create that business, to hang out in and do, you know, snorkeling with these friends instead of just trying to be, you know, get a promotion at my job and get, you know, more insurance and more, you know, whatever. So this is more about giving permission to others to do the things that I like to do as well, which is following my passions and getting good at them
1: that's great we're going to talk about skip the line again in a second we can probably end on that but uh, now that the, the docu-series true yourself the James Altucher story has been out on Amazon I've been getting some interesting feedback interesting so reviews are the hardest thing ever to get on Amazon I, I have been sort of laughingly saying it to friends like it's like the equivalent of trying to get someone to FedEx their baby overseas like just people don't, <laughs> don't do it uh, but it's interesting we have I think 11 reviews right now uh, 10 5 star reviews and 1 1 star review this guy's a front can't you guys see that? And it's so interesting to me how people just troll. Uh, but what have you? Has anyone shared any feedback? I've gotten a lot of feedback from people just saying how fascinating just the way your mind works is. I know I learned a ton, sort of traveling the world with you. Um, any feedback that you've gotten uh, that you've gotten since the series has been out?
0: Yeah, I've gotten like nothing but like. I mean, of course, I don't think anyone would say to me, "Hey, man, your life story sucks." <laughs> Like I don't think anyone, and and they certainly wouldn't criticize you. Like it was beautifully shot. It was this you you told a better story than I could have told about myself. So I, you did an unbelievable job. Everyone I've spoken to, like, like I have all these neighbors, and they all are have started watching the series, or they've completely watched the series. And everyone's like, we were we we thought we would watch like half of one and then go to sleep, and we stayed up all night and binge watched it. So I know some hardcore people who binge watch the entire thing in like one night. And so I think in general, it's been very exciting. By the way, I had to check. I don't see the one star review. Maybe they took it down.
1: I'm hope, uh, that, that'd be great <laughs> Great if they did but it also uh, makes people want to know well why does one guy think this is terrible but it really was sort of an abusive review it was nothing about the film it was just this guy is a fraud uh, which you know you you have hate mail all the time I, I get I actually get the worst comments on anything I ever do when I do anything with Anthony Scaramucci who I really love I have great dealings with him a very polarizing figure in the media but I love him but anytime I tweet or send anything about Anthony Scaramucci it's like 80 I don't know maybe even 50-50 like like, like oh I'm so glad you learned from this Anthony or whatever like or you're such an idiot you're so, you're, a, you're a nymph you're, a, you're an elf shut up little guy you yeah. suck and it's just so funny to see the way the world uh, processes things one of the things by the way that I learned about that series I, that's the first ever multi-part series that I had ever done and I was so oh, really? relieved that people were watching like from episode to episode because we tried to divide it up in the way that to me would make sense um, and you always have to have like a hook that pulls people into the next episode but um, it was hard just because I'd never done it before. And so, yeah, I've heard the same thing. People just get sucked through uh, the whole thing. You should absolutely, this is blatant self-promotion right here. You should check out Choose Yourself, the James Altucher story on Amazon uh, if we're lucky. So just so you know, this is not monetary for us. We might make tens of dollars if we're lucky because of the way Amazon pays. There's nothing we want to put out there so everyone could watch it and learn. So watch it, leave reviews, enjoy it. It's called Choose Yourself, the James Altucher story. Um, so uh, anyway, so much to learn from that. I'd love, you know, any of you feedback is is great. We, it's been, it was a super fun series to make, super educational. I learned a ton. Uh, Before we get to skip the, I just
0: just want to mention, Nick, I've had friends watch it and then they had their their children watch it um, because they wanted their children to learn from it. My, I was surprised about this. My kids watched it. My kids binged it. Like you already know everything about me. No, they, they loved it. And it was again, your, your, your storytelling and, and, they didn't know some things about me and and you did a good job balancing things like it was poignant some of the moments with uh one of my daughters who was with us in in paris and, and london and i remember she said to the interviewer when i wasn't there i wish i could spend more time with my dad and actually i just spoke to her on the i'm making an effort to talk to her on the phone more. i just spoke to her right before this and um you know it even makes me tear up thinking about the scene in, in the show But I think it was a really great way to express my ideas. And like I said earlier, interweave a story around that. And again, why do I bring these things up? Because why do I bring stories like, oh, I went broke and this is how I got got back? Or, or, you know, here's what I think about X, Y, Z situation. It's again, because I think I'm, A, I'm offering something new. And B, I'm afraid. So I'm afraid of what people will think of me if I write this or if I put this out there and that shows me that a, I'm expanding my comfort zone, which is always important. It's always healthy to surprise yourself and exercise your ability to, to get out of your own comfort zone. But, but B, you know, it really, you know, and, and by the way, and in doing so, you know, you're, you're writing something original and and creative, but, but B, you know, there is a point where you want to help people. And I and I like doing that. I feel a lot of people write their book. Like people who like Trump say this is why Trump's going to win. People who like Biden say this is why Biden's going to win. People who like Apple stock say this is why Apple stock's going to go up. But they don't really look full circle at things. And I think I think it's important to be authentic, to be vulnerable. And and in vulner, vulnerability is the real currency of our time. We've got nothing else left but our vulnerability and our and our honesty money won't buy the the truth the, the truth will buy the respect of others and readers and listeners and followers and, and and so on in the long run and for the people who say oh this guy's a fraud or whatever I don't know point to something I've ever done where I've been fraudulent or or or, or not like I don't even care I know who I am and you know it's just it's, it's it comes with the territory but I will say this people say oh it doesn't bother me but I have a thick skin It always bothers me. As much as I like to think I don't care what people think, it always bothers me. The anonymous trolls bother me. When my own family members write about me negatively, it bothers me. I can't help it.
1: I hear you. It's just human. It's funny. Like I have one film on Amazon that has over 1,250 reviews and I find myself looking to scroll down the new ones because it gets 10 or 15 new ones a day. It's just gone sort of viral. Wow. There. And uh, I scroll down and, and I just see like, oh, it's great. It's awesome. it's awesome. And then I get, but I stop and read the one stars. Like I just, so it's, our, our mind is sort of, our brain is wired to look for that negativity, which is why negative news sells and all the other stuff. Um, I, skip the line. I, I want to actually talk to you about the process of that for a second you should get the book uh, whenever it comes out you should get the book Be- just before we finish on skip the line one of the things I thought was super interesting too is that you seem to have a um, an abundance of currency um uh, uh, like your abundance comes from the currency of your ideas i feel like because you know you can always come up with another one so you're not feeling limited by what most people covet is the idea and they don't want someone to steal it you mentioned it before um but it just crazy to think that something as simple as exercising your idea muscles you call it writing down 10 ideas a day could I My hypothesis for you is that that gives you way more freedom than anybody else because you know, ideas are, you're never going to run out of ideas. And a lot of them don't work, but a few good ones can make a fortune and a great life. Um, just give me your perspective on that and how you think that, that I, you mentioned it briefly earlier, but to me it just seems like your ideas and your ability to create ideas and, and it could do the same for others has given you a great sense of abundance.
0: Absolutely. Because look, the reality is, in order to succeed, you need to be creative and you need to have ideas and you need to be able to execute on those ideas. People say ideas are a dime a dozen. That may or may not be true, but execution is a subset of ideas. You need to have ideas on how to execute uh, in, in order to succeed as well. Like let's say I have an idea for a software product. Well, how do I execute? Am I gonna write the software? Am I going to hire a programmer on freelancer.com? Am I going to find a friend who's a programmer? Or am I going to raise a million dollars and let the venture capitalists find programmers? There's a lot of different ways to execute and how you do it defines the success or failure of a of an idea, of a business. So so ideas are hand in hand with with execution. And again, it's a muscle. You have to exercise it. It will atrophy. I, like you know, here's an example. People think Einstein, when they think of Einstein, they think of E equals MC squared. That's the main thing people think of. Well, you know, Einstein wrote 285 peer-reviewed published papers on physics, maybe three of them or two of them, you know, the special theory of relativity and the general theory of relativity. Those are the ones we know. Picasso, he created 60,000 works of art, 60,000. We know maybe a dozen. you know, uh, Isaac Asimov wrote five hundred sixty books. We know Foundation and iRobot and some short stories. So on and on and on, all these great, creative, successful people, most of their ideas did not work out for them. The smartest people in the world, it was much more about quantity than quality. The quality falls out of the quantity. And also when you're and when you practice having ideas, like you said, you have this feeling like, okay, I didn't do this one no big deal. I come up with 10 a day, which is 3,650 a year. I'll come up with another idea tomorrow. Maybe that one I'll feel like executing on. I mean, I've been having business ideas for the past 20 years. I followed up on only like a, less than 10 of them, less than 15 of them, but it's a practice. And so again, that means I know when I have ideas, oh, here's 10 ideas for Nick Nanton's next book. Hey, Nick, here they are. Don't worry about it. You don't have to come contact me back. Well, so every now and then, sometimes someone contacts me back and says, hey, you want to do this with me? Actually, Anthony Scaramucci, uh, you, who you just spoke about, he, I, I had an idea for him because we were having a conversation. He was kind of ranking the past few presidents. And I said, you should write a book. And I kind of outlined it from, you know, 45 presidents, worst to first. And, you know, just rank from, from the worst to the best, all the presidents. And he's like, this is a good idea. You want to do it with me? but i you know i already had things i was doing so i couldn't i said you just do it and you know sometimes that's good enough cuz then you 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 build goodwill i'll give you an example that's a very important example google the website when you go to google you say to google hey google can you please tell me everything you know about motorcycles and google says hey i'm just going to be honest with you i don't know anything about motorcycles but i did the research for you here are 10 websites that I think are the best websites about motorcycles. And by the way, here are three other websites that pay me to tell you that we like them, but we don't really. And then I go to the motorcycle site. Now, next time I need a site, I need some information about uh, erectile dysfunction drugs. I'm, I'm not gonna go back to the motorcycle site. I'm gonna go back to Google, cause they were honest and they authentically told me these were the best and we did the research. Hey Google, now what do you think about ED drugs? And they'll do the same thing. So. I feel like the Google technique was good enough to make Google a a multi-trillion-dollar company. Now, as a human, I try to apply the exact same technique. I might not be worth a trillion because of it, but you never know what value you create. So if somebody comes to me or if I have ideas, give them freely. Google doesn't charge to give its ideas out. Give them freely and see what happens. You become the best after that. You become the trillion-dollar value.
1: I love that. Now, in our last couple minutes here, I'm going to summarize a book I have not read, but I think I understand it. Skip the Line is, is got to be about the fact, because I, I know you well enough, you can articulate that, you know, everything isn't methodical. There are ways to that are shortcuts that are often right in front of our eyes, but because everyone has always done it a certain way, we miss them. You can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I'm actually more interested in our last few minutes about you telling me um, about the fact that, tell everyone when it's going to come out so they can buy it, but you went with a major publisher in that book, as opposed to most of your other books that I'm aware of are self-published, and I'm actually more interested in the distinctions and your, I mean, uh, I know there's advantages, disadvantages to both, but just in your experience in that.
0: Yeah, and... and I'll, I'll explain also, skip the line. You are correct, and I'll explain in a slightly different way. I can remember every single, de- every single microsecond over the past 40 years where someone told me, I can't do something. Oh, you're a, a junior programmer at HBO, and you want to pitch a TV show to the CEO? You can't do that. I remember on the way to the CEO's office, someone telling me I could not go to his office for her own reasons, not my reasons, her reasons. She couldn't do that. Fast forward, someone who worked at J.P. Morgan. Oh, you know, I want to be a hedge fund manager. I'm raising money now for a hedge fund. You, What, have you ever worked at an investment bank? No. Have you ever worked at a hedge fund? No. Did you go to business school? No. Well, you can't. You can't do that. And this was a guy who hated his life. He hated his job. He eventually tried to start a hedge fund, but then ended up back at a bank. But I did it. I started one. And so, and then another time, and there's many times, another time, I remember I was doing stand-up comedy and I was about to do, for the first time ever, my first 60-minute set. 60 minutes is difficult to do. And seconds before I was going to go on, a comedian came up to me and said, yo, 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 James. You can't skip the line here. Like you gotta pay your dues. You gotta stand in line like all the other comedians. And and then literally at that moment, the MC calls me to the stage and I'm supposed to go 60 minutes when this guy basically told me I was worthless until I, I stood in line. And so to anybody who's ever been frustrated like that, I wanted to put together a, a, a series of techniques and stories, not only of myself and others, but uh, uh, many techniques for how you can skip blind. How do you find what you're passionate about? How do you get good at it quickly? Forget the 10,000 hour rule. I, I come up with ways to use the, t- what I call the 10,000 experiment rule where you can much more quickly get to the top 1% of your field so that you could monetize it. And, you know, since that moment I did my first 60 minutes set, I've, I've toured all over the world doing comedy now and, uh, uh, everywhere from the netherlands to i'm going next week to the mall of america in minnesota catch me there and uh, uh so so i wanted to i wanted to do this i hadn't seen anything like this written before in in my particular way you know a lot of times you see academic research this is how you could learn this is how you can memorize but none of that stuff works i used what actually worked and and described the stories so why did i go with a major publisher i i just wanted to shake things up like i wanted to see you know, what it'd be like to, you know, when you use Amazon, and by the way, people think when you say Amazon, it's just an ebook. Well, on Amazon, I do a paperback. I do an ebook. Sometimes I do a hardcover. I do an audiobook. You could do the whole thing as if you're your own publishing company and Amazon and self-publishing is great. But I wanted to use HarperCollins because I knew this editor for over a dozen years and she wanted to work with me and I wanted to try working with her. And I just wanted to go through the process. And every now and then, You want to mix things up so people don't know what to expect and and why. Everything's a story. So now, you know, later on when I talk about my publishing experiences, I have this extra story of, okay, I went back to traditional, but now I'm also doing this audiobook thing with Charlemagne that came out of the blue. And and you and I basically self-published your TV series. So it's always interesting. The media world is changing and you could choose yourself to skip the line to, to... have a TV series, to publish a bestseller, to to make your own game if you want, or to make your own clothing line, whatever it is you want to do. You, you, you can do it the traditional way. You could do it uh, uh, in a self-published, choose yourself sort of way, or you could do some sort of hybrid, which is what I always like to do.
1: I love it, James. Uh, everyone needs to check out "Skip the Line as, soon as it comes out. Buy a copy. Choose yourself, of course. Check out "Choose Yourself," the James Altucher story on Amazon.com, yes. and then uh, and and check out James and all the socials, everything you put out, James. Uh, I, I'm not just a, a friend. I'm glad to be a fan. Thanks so much for joining me on Nada Next, and talk soon.
0: Me as well, Nick. Uh, thank you so much for everything. And look, let's let's keep working together on stuff. I'm sure it'll be never ending. It, this it, we. We meshed so well. It was a such a it was a several year process making the your series and and it was a pleasure every moment of it.
1: I, I love it, man. Thanks so much. Uh, take care, everybody. thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on now to next. Take care, James. Thanks for tuning in to now to next. Make sure you like and subscribe and check out the next episode.